What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Turning our attention to what's happening in the political world of San Francisco, we're joined by Tim Redmond, the founder of the media outlet 48 Hills. He's been a political and investigative reporter in San Francisco for more than 30 years and spent much of that time as executive editor of The Bay Guardian. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Kat. Happy to be on your show as always. Happy to have you as always. All right, Tim, I want to walk through a few of your recent articles, starting with it's going to be a brutal budget year unless you're rich and love the cops. I believe it was yesterday um, that Mayor Breed presented a budget to the Board of Supervisors Budget and Finance Committee. What's the forecast? Well, the forecast is she's asking every city department except the police to cut at least 10 percent of their budget. And that you know the in the case of the department of public health that would be over 100 million dollars in cuts that would mean nurses would lose their jobs healthcare aides would lose their jobs um, home support workers would lose their jobs there are now 3700 vacant positions in san francisco um, because the city's hiring process is so messed up um, her intention is to leave those positions vacant and not fill them this includes for example the 911 call center, which is desperately understaffed. Um, but in the meantime, she wants more money for SFPD, for the police. Um, and the, she's there's no discussion out of the mayor's office of any attempts to raise new revenue by taxing the rich or big businesses or anything like that. It's all tax cuts to stimulate business downtown and more money for the police and cuts for everything else. It's going to be, as I say, as I said in my headline, it's going to be a very rough year for anyone who isn't rich and doesn't think that the solution to all of San Francisco's problems is putting more cops on the street. How large is the deficit, Tim? The The deficit could reach a billion dollars over the next three years. It's big and it's, 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 it's a big problem. And it's a big problem in part, of course, because San Francisco for 40 years has based its entire economy on the idea of finance, insurance, real estate, and tech offices downtown, which some of us said 40 years ago was a mistake, but we have had a monocrop economy basically. And now that um, remote work is here to stay and a lot of those businesses are vacant, a lot of those offices are vacant, we're not collecting the sales taxes and we're not collecting the property taxes that we could be, that that we used to depend on. So, you know, the problem with the monocrop economy is if that crop fails, you're in serious trouble. And that has what that's what has happened in San Francisco. On the other hand, there are still 68 billionaires who live in the city. It is still a very wealthy city. And there are there's no reason why we should simply say the only solution to all of these problems is very significant cuts in essential in what are fact in essential services the mayor is basically saying if it's not law enforcement it's not an essential service but there are many many other things that are also essential services and frankly part of public safety i mean public health is part of public safety certainly the 911 call center is part of public safety um so many other things are part of the public safety system besides uniformed and armed police officers to say more about why remote work being here to stay has impacted the taxes that can be collected by the city. Yeah, well, we relied on sales taxes from downtown, and that is 
workers going into downtown every single day and then buying things, going out to lunch, all of these things. Right Now, of course, two things have happened. One is, as we all know, large retail, the malls are collapsing to a great extent, not because of crime, although the mayor and others say it's all because of crime on the streets and uh, and, and homelessness. It's because of Amazon, because people are now shopping online. But the second factor is, and this is really important, under Prop 13, you can't raise property taxes when the value of property goes up unless it is sold. But if the pr value of property goes down, property owners can appeal their assessments and get their property taxes reduced. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these folks downtown, a lot of the buildings, the big buildings downtown are owned by giant real estate corporations. Donald Trump, for example, owns half of the Bank of America building. He can now go to the assessor's office and say, well, the Bank of America building is assessed at, you know, what I don't know, whatever it is, $800 million. It's not worth that much anymore because it's too much of it is vacant and we can't collect rents. We want our assessment reduced and our property taxes reduced. And a lot of these buildings are going to come in and do that. And so we're not only losing sales taxes and some business taxes, we're also going to take a huge hit on property taxes because of those vacancies in those buildings and the decline in their value. Here in Oakland, Tim, we've got a coalition of progressives that go to bat for people's budget every budget cycle. Does something like that exist in SF? Are people fighting back? Is there any organizing oh, yeah. happening on the ground? Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, yesterday there were close to a thousand public employee union workers rallying out in front of City Hall saying that the solution to San Francisco's problems is not to eliminate essential services and to eliminate jobs. There have to be other ways to look at this. And basically what Labor is saying is we want to be part of the equation. You will also see there, I guarantee, the folks from human services, the um, public health advocates, there will be a broad coalition of San Franciscans opposing all of these cuts. And as I say, the big question is, what are the alternatives? And how can we look at, from my perspective, how can we look at structurally changing our tax system so that we can raise some of that revenue from other sources? Got it. All right, I wanna move on to your next article, the danger of high-speed police chases and the failure of the mayor's drug arrest policy. Last spring, Mayor London Breed and Chief Bill Scott announced what could be characterized as the war on drugs 2.0, saying the city would start to arrest people not just for selling drugs, but for using drugs as well. How has this strategy played out, Tim? Well, it certainly hasn't stopped people from using drugs on the street. And in fact, what... Uh, Max Carter Oberstone, one of the members of the police commission, um, asked the chief about this and said, at the time we were talking about this policy, we were overwhelmed by public health advocates, studies, white papers, telling us that not only this was a mistake, it's a deadly mistake. That the data shows that if you arrest people simply for using drugs, for being high on the street, and you put them in jail, the risk of death, of overdose, increases. Right. And um, the the policy not only fails to stop people from using drugs on the streets, it actually leads to more deaths and more overdoses. And this is what the public health data from around the country and around the world shows. And as Carter Oberstone said, we knew that when we discussed this policy, we brought it up when we discussed this policy. And guess what? We did this anyway. You put the policy into effect and now we're on we, we have a record number of overdose deaths in San Francisco. 
is this working? Is this a failure? And the chief, of course, said, gee, we have no choice. There, he said, if there was a non-law enforcement approach to this, I would be in favor of it. Well, there are a lot of non-law enforcement approaches to um, substance use and to overdose prevention. There are, you know, the the you know, the the, the data again around the world shows that um, safe use sites save lives, and that right. people who can go, who go into safe use sites off the streets uh, have a path into the social service and treatment. Um, apparatus. And, and, and I would say, we've seen this all around the world. In fact, a few years ago, Mayor London Breed said she supported this idea. But Breed has become all law enforcement all the time. And she's not supporting the idea of safe use sites or of other interventions that are not law enforcement. And, you know, I, 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 I think about this, like, arresting people for using drugs in public. But you think about how many folks at City Hall, how many folks in San Francisco in general use drugs in the in their homes? Right. And we're not arresting them, we're not bursting into people's homes and arresting them for getting high. We're only doing it if they happen to be unhoused and they're on the streets. So this law enforcement approach, the data shows isn't working, and yet the city's doubling down. They're continuing to do it. I read as I was getting ready to talk to you that something I had missed that her carceral response to drug use in San Francisco has also included the governor dispatching the National Guard and state police. What did that look like on the streets of San Francisco? Um, that was and is more law enforcement. That's what it is. More cops on the street. The National Guard isn't arresting people, but the CHP is and they're adding more um, they're having that's more people following the same approach that, you know, Kat, we have so many years of data on this, that this doesn't work. It criminalizes people, gets them into the criminal justice system, according to say a lot of recent data, um, adds to the likelihood of overdose death and isn't addressing the problem. Um, so, you know, she's, she's, we're doing that. And then there's a, a measure on the ballot, Proposition E, that would eliminate some of the paperwork for use of force. In other words, it would allow cops to use force on people and then not fill out as many forms so we won't be able to track use of force. It would allow increased surveillance of San Franciscans, including with drones, without former Board of Supervisors approval. And it would allow the police to return to high-speed chases in the congested city of San Francisco, which the police commission has tried very hard to limit for good reason. I saw a high-speed chase in my neighborhood a week or so ago. I was out walking my dog and going to the store, and all of a sudden, like five cop cars at like 70 miles an hour are whipping through Bernal Heights chasing this guy, and it was terrifying. I mean, it's, you know, it's a good thing no one got killed. I was standing on the sidewalk thinking, oh my God, this one of these one of these cars or the, the person who's being chased or the cars who are chasing that person could easily crash into the sidewalk. As we've seen, the data at the police commission that was presented showed that 38% of high-speed chases in San Francisco end with a crash. And 25% of the time, somebody is injured. We've had a couple of people killed in San Francisco in high-speed police chases. Um, it, it, it's, you know, cities all over the country have limited 
high-speed police chases in congested areas. The city of San Francisco is a very congested area. Many of the streets are quite narrow. Um, it's just kind of a scary concept, but that is the direction that the mayor's office is trying to go. And, and the, you know, the Washington Post says, uh, asserts through research that high-speed chases, police high-speed chases, kill more people than floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, and lightning combined every single year in this country. And what's more, they do little to nothing to actually impact crime. Yes, that is the case. Um, so, you know, it's just the mayor is in political trouble. Her positive uh, ratings are very, very low. She is unpopular. And she, I believe, is looking for ways to increase her uh, popularity, particularly among more conservative voters. And, you know, she's got two measures on the ballot that I think exist only to do that. And one is this police high-speed chases thing. And the other is this ridiculous measure to drug test welfare recipients, which everyone with any sense agrees won't happen anyway. We don't have the, I mean, there's no way that we have the infrastructure to drug test thousands and thousands of people. And what, every week on an ongoing basis? Um, it, it's the, the it, it makes no sense at all, but it's a way to attack poor people and to promote the cops, which seems to be her political formula for victory. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised that her popularity has dropped because it does seem like she is catering to this group of right-wing conservatives that have sort of taken over the political conversation in San Francisco and now have made their way over to Oakland. Yes. The, the, the reason that I think she, her popularity is so low is that the things that she's talking about doing aren't working. Right. right. Um, People, I, you know, when this budget season goes through and, and um, people realize that essential services, whether it's public works people filling potholes or whether it's nurses at SF General, whether it's teachers at the um, school district, all of these essential services people count on, including the 911 call center. Now, if you call 911 in San Francisco, you're likely to be put on hold right? because there aren't enough people to answer the phones. And I think the more people realize that this is what we're facing, the more unhappy people are gonna get. All right, Tim, wrapping up, this is an, uh, an article that we were set to cover, but wondering what your reaction was to Mayor Breed's very loud, very fierce condemnation of the ceasefire resolution passed in San Francisco. I was at that hearing. I watched the hearings in the weeks previously, I don't think in my 40-year career I've ever seen that many people come out to City Hall on any issue. Um, I think that the popularity of the ceasefire resolution is very, very high in San Francisco, um, as I, as it is around the country. I mean, the, what's the numbers? Like 70-something percent of Democrats support a ceasefire in the Middle East. Um, yeah. I, I don't see where she's going with this or i mean i, I just think that that's going to add to her unpopularity just because in san francisco this was such a popular thing and she's up for re-election this year she's up for re-election in the fall yeah who do you think her 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 top challenges well the the problem is right now that she does not have a strong challenge from the even center left, much less the left. Um, you know, Daniel Lurie, who is a multi, multi-millionaire heir to the Levi Strauss fortune is running. Um, Asha Safai, who is a member of the Board of Supervisors, but has been more from the, you know, 
center right, more of a conservative supervisor is running. Um, we have not seen anyone emerge who I think can tap into the organization and the strength and the unhappiness on the left. So we will see if someone comes forward to do that. All right, Tim Rebin, I've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Always happy to be on your show. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>